Right, hello, welcome to the NHSR podcast. I've stopped giving them episode numbers because they're coming out in a funny order, so there's no point. But we're recording today on the 6th of July, 2022, and I have with me a guest from NHSR. So, Tom, would you just like to introduce yourself first, please? Sure. I'm Tom Smith. Um, I am um, an insight manager working for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. And as usual, although we do have a couple of other presenters here and there, I'm Chris Beely. I'm a data scientist in Nottinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust, and I'm also the co-chair of the technical advisory group of NHSR. So today we're doing something that literally, well, almost literally nobody asked for. So I ran a poll on the NHSR community Twitter a little while ago. So if you see any kind of weird tweets with emojis, that's usually me asking how, what people wanted for communication. And most people said newsletter. And I think that's an excellent idea. And we're going to try and do that. But in the meantime, we're going to do this, which I think is we're doing it partly because it's a bit easier, even though almost nobody voted for it, which is something to go in between the main podcasts, which come out monthly just to give a little bit of a kind of flavour of what's going on and some other little sort of in case you missed it type stuff. So I hope it's useful. We have no idea or I have no idea what people think of the podcast. I haven't. Well, a couple of people said kind things to my face, but I don't know what people are really thinking. So do feedback to me or to anybody else that you like. The email address, which I always forget, um, which I always put in the show notes, I think is possibly NHSR. No, do you know what? I've got no idea. NHSR something 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 at nhs.net, but I'll put it in the show notes. So do let us know what you think. So it shouldn't be too long. It's just supposed to be just give you a little flavour of what's going on, because I think sometimes one of the problems that I've noticed with NHSR is if people are not on the Slack regularly, sometimes they miss stuff. So this is just our way of trying to kind of get stuff out to you and, and keep everyone engaged and involved with what's going on. Yeah. And it's also the show notes for this um, podcast. You, you could think of them almost as the beginning of a newsletter. It's relatively easy to get together and, and talk on a podcast. Uh, and then the show notes that, that come along with this, they're halfway to a, new, a newsletter. So let's think of it like that. This is two birds with one stone. Yes, indeed. And we have done that. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be a newsletter in the formal sense, because I'm not sure we have like an email list or anything, but it'll be a piece of paper that you can read. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll put details in the show notes, but we are trying to summarize what's going on. Okay, so without any further ado, let's kick off. So one of the things that we wanted to bring to your attention first, and I'm not going to keep saying this, all these links, of course, will be in the show notes as we go through, so just have a look. There was a, a, a an overview video from the Oxford Internet Institute uh, a little while ago, uh, all about the Goldacre Report with Jess Morley and Ben Goldacre giving details about it. So have a look at that. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about the Goldacre Report myself, and I've been tweeting about it madly, so anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that I've spent probably more time than is healthy reading that report. I think it's really great, obviously, and I think it's it's really lovely how much of a name check NHSR gets. So I did actually count it. I think it's, we mentioned 15 times, something like that, and they're all nice mentions, of course. So I just thought I would just give a flavour of, of how I'm hoping NHSR community will fit into the work envisioned in that report. So one of the things the report talks about quite a lot is, is the building of, of a, an analytic community, which I think is a very good point. I think the NHS is, it can be quite fractured sometimes. So, well, for example, so Tom works in Nottingham. So we're just down the road from each other and we're sort of great mates and we collaborate and send each other stuff. And But really only because of NHSR, quite honestly. I think yeah. if that hadn't been the case, I probably would have never met Tom. So Absolutely. that just goes to show. So that's one thing. I think another thing that's really important is experiential learning. And there's quite a lot of stuff about kind of training and learning and the importance of having kind of mentors and, you know, peers and all this kind of stuff when you're learning to code and when you're learning technical tasks. And I think that's a very that's a that's an area where NHSR already excels through the Slack and through other, you know, informal methods of communication that we have. Something else is 
that we I think we're, we've already started with is in the building of tools. So, well, for example, we have on the on the call Tom, who's one of the the big key developers in the NHSR plot the dots package, uh, which is uh, you know is a crown package and a very important contribution of ours to the making data account work NHS England, which uh, draws um, SPCs and all that malarkey. And we've done loads of other things like that. There are things for funnel plots. There are things for the data dictionary. There's lots and lots of things going on. And and I'm sure that will continue to be the case. Um, and the last thing I think is also that is mentioned throughout is the need to have experts in open code and in data science and all these kind of things contributing to policy and being able to kind of give guidance to uh, what's going on. We've recently started, a, a it just again, just anarchically, just through just random happenstance, the NHSR community has started writing the, the repo name is statements on tools, which I don't particularly think is a good name really, but what is what it's called at the moment. And it is exactly that. It's sort of policy and guidance on how to use these tools kind of safely and effectively in healthcare settings. Yeah. So this is, a, I found this video, a really, really good video. It's a, a, a one hour overview. As you know, the, the, the Goldacre and Morley report is, you know, it's a lot of pages. There's a lot of detail in there, but if you want a, a quick one hour, to go through the main points and to really hear it from the people themselves, from the authors themselves. This video is a really, really good chance to do that. And just to pick up on some of the things that um, Chris said there about the community building side, we're both sat in Nottinghamshire at the moment. We, we definitely wouldn't know each other without NHSR. And from, from my point of view, doing the job that I do, it's so important to have people to follow and, and just have the confidence that people are working in this space and making the same mistakes that we're making and um, kind of feeling our way forwards together. And that um, community that NHSR provides is, is a really sort of important thing for reassurance, you know, and, and to know that there are other, other people who are also going through the same um, journey um, and to be able to connect with them and ask some questions and um, offer each other a bit of, bit of support. Um, because this is relatively new and I think it's probably okay to talk about that you know it's uh, we're doing a new thing here that's very true though yes indeed so I learned I started using R in the NHS I think in when was it 2011 maybe 2012 and it was a cold dark lonely place it was just the R mailing list and notoriously unhelpful and I didn't know anybody else in a work capacity whatsoever that used R and what a difference now 10 years later I can stick code on Slack and you know within minutes there'll be all sorts of people offering helpful suggestions and saying oh i've already done that or all this kind of thing um so that's really great so the next item we were going to talk about is um and again this will be on the show notes the nhsr plot the dots tool which uh, chris has already mentioned this has been i think a success we're certainly using it pretty heavily in nottingham and i think other people are as well because last time i checked it was a couple of weeks ago now but i think there had been something like 1600 downloads of the package from Cran. So that's 1,600 people somewhere out in the NHS who've downloaded this package um, and are using it, which is fantastic. It was launched at the conference last year, at the NHSR conference. Um, and um, the, this year's conference is gonna come around pretty quickly. Um, so what we're trying to do is have a bit of a push towards version 0.2. The initial release is version 0.1, and we'd like to get version 0.2 out by conference time. So this um, section is a bit of a plea. If you are one of those kind of 1600 people who are using this package in anger, and you have got little quirks and quibbles, and you've found bugs, or you've found behaviours in it that you'd like to improve, please get in touch. Now is a really good time to get in touch 
because we're going to be actively working on it and pushing towards um, version 0.2 release, hopefully hopefully at the latest by the conference, um, ideally a little bit sooner because I could do with some of them fixing it before then. So yeah, that, that was the first thing. The second thing was around auto rebasing. So there was a comment that came in, I think it was on the Slack originally, and then it's come in through an issue as well about auto rebasing on SPC. And we were going to have a little bit of a discussion about pros and cons on that um, during this chat. So for those who aren't familiar with rebasing, so SPC works on a calculating on a, a set of points or a set of observations. And you can use either all of the observations in your data set, or you can you can use sections of those observations. So say the first 18 points or the first 24 points. The whole process is designed to, to be able to spot process change. So if you see that process change is happening, either for good or for worse, um, and you are there's a certain number of rules to follow around, you know, are, do I understand the reason for this change? Do we think the change is going to continue? If you meet certain criteria uh, on, a, on a list there, you might choose to rebase. You might say, well, this process has now changed fundamentally, either because of a deterioration or hopefully because you've improved something in, in the process. Do we want to rebase at the new level and effectively make our, make our new process um, official? Um, and that's called rebasing. And there are a couple of schools of thought about how and when you should do that. One is that you should be very deliberate about it and very um, methodical and have a decision-making process around it and, and probably involve clinicians. And, and the other school of thought is that actually you can do it fairly accurately on an automatic basis just by looking at the SPC rules. As it stands at the moment, the NHSR plot the dots package does it manually. So if you're running this package on a, a large number of measures as we are in Nottingham, we review them and we actually put dates into a into a sheet when we want to rebase and that's a deliberate decision but there is also an argument to say that automatic rebasing could be helpful if you've if you're scanning an even larger list of measures for example and you and you just want to see how the processes look there is an argument for that so um yeah discussion about auto rebasing if you've got an opinion or a view on it please jump into i'm going to say the github issues because those persist the Slack discussion that exists will disappear after after a time because um, the messages um, ever away. But the the GitHub issue will be there forever. So let's record our discussion and our interaction on that GitHub issue, and we can decide which way we want to go and wh whether we want to include auto rebasing. And then the final point was again, if you're one of those users, probably a power user of of the tool, um, and you've got a little bit of time to help with writing some training material to get help get others on board. Again, please kind of um, get in touch, and um, that would be really really helpful. Uh, we want as many people using this process as possible because it's it's going to help the NHS improve, which is why why a lot of us are here. So, yeah, hooray for NHSR plot the dots, and please get involved. Yes, it's quite an old kind of uh, chestnut, this really, this idea of people wanting something in a package, but then other people are arguing whether it is or isn't a good idea. It makes me think of ggplot, and I'm pretty sure this is still true to this day, famously doesn't, it won't do two y-axes. And very yes. often you see on the ggplot issue, someone will say to Hadley Wickham, not knowing that this has been discussed a hundred times, can you please add two y-axes? And he, he just refuses. He says, no, it's not a good idea. I'm not writing code. That means you can have two y-axes. Of course, the beauty of open source is that if you are sufficiently competent to do so, you could fork ggplot and make your own and put two y-axes in. I don't know if anyone has ever actually done that, not to my knowledge. And this is a similar thing. The comment I would make about auto rebasing, to be honest, SPC is not really my stamping ground, so I, I'm, don't tell anyone I'll get sacked. But 
my sort of initial impression is people are already doing this without doubt mm, across are. the NHS. So you could argue that not having an art tool that does it is almost counterproductive in the sense that what all people will do is they will just go around your tool. I think very often you find this in the kind of world of tools like this is if your tool doesn't do the incorrect thing that people want it to do, they will just find another one. But equally, you could argue, you know, that it's far better to enshrine kind of what we consider to be like some sort of, uh, you know, a, a particular methodology within our package and then just say, well, you know, if you want to do it another way, then do it another way. We shall see. I can't imagine anyone forking at him having this sort of uh, war in the NHSR, but you never know. That's the anarchic world of open source. Hopefully not. But hopefully we can talk about it in the GitHub issues and, you know, we can come to come to a view one way or the other. Yes, certainly. My view is, is sort of philosophical, but uh, for those of you who actually know what you're talking about as far as SPCs, and I must say, of course, that Tom does, please do weigh in on the GitHub issues. I really hope no one won't listen to this because I'm freely admitting that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I can always read stuff. Okay, right. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is we had the first NHSR drop-in session yesterday. So there were quite a few senior fellows on the call. So I came, but Zoe Turner and Tom Gemma both came as well. And it was very useful, I think. I hope everyone seemed to think so. So we had some new people, basically. They weren't, uh, well, Lynn popped in near the end, actually, but it was mainly new people who just wanted to kind of find out, you know, where things were. I think part of the thing that I've observed about NHSR is sometimes people just not sure what everything is. So there's like a Slack and a GitHub and there's kind of webinars and training. And they're just not, they're like, well, how do I solve my problem? What, what do I do to get the stuff that I want? And they're not really sure. So that was part of my idea with the with the drop in, which you could just come in. And obviously, if I worked in a big building where I, the whole with the whole NHS, I would just, you know, sit in my office and just open the door. It's just supposed to be that, but a sort of internet-y version of that, because obviously we don't all work in the same building. So they will be monthly, unless anyone wants them more or less frequent than that. I've decided on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Just randomly, if anyone's got any comments, would like us to run them at different times or anything like that, please let me know. But the first one certainly seemed to be a success uh, in the future. So as I say, it was three it was three beginners this time, which was great. In the future, I'm imagining that other people who are not beginners will come who want to. Well, for example, they might want to ask about NHSR plot the dots or, you know, ask what issues are going. They might want to get involved in doing some training. You know, they might have some or they might just be stuck. I'm, I'm more than willing for people to just come and just say, I've been writing this code for all day and I can't get it to work. Can you please help? And we can all have a look. I think that would be a good thing to do too. Again, exactly the kind of thing I'd do if I worked in a big building. The next section is a, a, around a website called R Screencasts. So it is rscreencasts.com. Um, and I just wanted to signpost people to this who may not have seen it before. Um, it's been put together by um, Oscar Barufa, and sorry if I've butchered your name, Oscar, but Oscar is um, not part of the NHS, not even in the UK, I don't think, uh, but is putting out a lot of great content on R um, on Twitter. So this is a resource that's really, really good for kind of beginner intermediate R users. Um, if you are learning R and you're not quite confident enough yet, and I know I'm well, I was in this place and in some ways I still am on certain things, but if you're not quite productive enough to be able to use it at work, um, you know, a certain element of it, because work can be quite a high pressure environment and you can have deadlines and things. Um, there is a little bit of a, of a gap in the R learning journey, or certainly I found this, where I, you, can, you can have solidly begun the beginner journey um, and you can know your way around R, 
but then when it comes to producing something at pace to a deadline um you, you're not confident enough to start out so you you I know that I quite frequently reverted to my kind of tried and tested tools um, until I was really, really confident in that I could bridge that sort of productivity gap. Um, and had this website been around at the time when I was making that leap, it would have been really helpful. So it's um, it's linked to something called Tidy Tuesday, which is basically a an organization that releases a data set every Tuesday, every week. And looking at the website here, they've been doing it since October 2018. And various people then work on that data set and produce some output, often in ggplot, um, but anyway, some, some insight from that output. And one of those people is um, a data scientist called David Robinson. And what he does is he live records his analysis. So you can watch him sitting at his R console working on the Tidy Tuesday data set. Um, and he puts it all on YouTube. He also releases all the code um, and the results on GitHub. So it's a fantastic learning resource. The R Screencasts website is basically a directory for that. So there's a search bar at the top. You can search for package names, you can search for function names, you can search for a data set or a week that you were interested in looking at. And what you'll get is a breakdown of each video, almost minute by minute, what functions are being used and, and what, what um, David is doing. So, you know, from cleaning the data set up to kind of some of the more advanced things he does with ggplot and plotly you can find what it is that you're you know the knowledge gap that you've got and you can go to exactly the right point in the video and you can watch an expert work through it so anyone who's not seen that before take a take a look um, i still use it occasionally when i'm when i'm looking at um you know a function i've not used before a package i've not used before one of the first places i go is this website to check you know can i see a working example and I would add as well, Oscar, the same person has done, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this, I've just popped it in the show notes, uh, the big book of R, which is just, it's, oh, it's course, basically yeah. a, a book of books. So it's got, I can't think of any R related thing that's not in there. It's it's a quite a staggering amount of, uh, that's the wonderful thing about R. And that's another difference from when it was from kind of 10 years ago is that the amount of material online is, it, it's almost so much of it that it's almost the opposite problem now is almost like curating it and finding what you need. Mm -hmm. And obviously these things are quite, because if you just type R into a search engine, you get all sorts of stuff back, but things like this are, and obviously, I mean, David Robertson is, is a very talented kind of, you know, R programming data scientist. So that's a, it's a, it's a good place to start. Right. Something else that's going on, which is also related to the Goldacre report. The Goldacre report talks a lot about wraps. You'll be hearing that phrase a lot. So if anyone who's not familiar, a wrap is what's called a reproducible analytical pipeline. Uh, very briefly, what that means is it's a, it's a, an analytical kind of job or process that is purely based on code. So there is no manual intervention whatsoever. There's no clicking. There is no downloading. There is no saving. There is no printing. There's nothing. It is just it, it might involve several different languages. Quite often it will, possibly SQL at the beginning, and then maybe a mixture of Python and R, for example. But that's what it's all about. So it's been very much embraced in the in the government, in the civil service, and particularly by the, the statistics bods. They've done amazing work with RAP, and so we can be inspired by them, I think. So they've just published um, the Reproducible Analytical Plan Pipeline Strategy, and that's very germane. Well, first, because it's a new strategy, but it's very germane for us at the moment because the Goldacre Review, and to a lesser extent, Data Saves Lives, which partly it sort of moves its government policy sort of moves on from the Goldacre review does talk about reproduce article pipelines and i think they're they're really important part of the process the government 
statistics people talk very eloquently about not only the you know the sort of accuracy and the usefulness of them but just in the just in terms of just the sheer amount of money that they save because the manual processes that they replace are you know take time by people who are being paid but instead the the model is that you just write it once and then just forget about it kind of thing yeah and in the context of the nhs how powerful could this be you know how many trusts are there a hundred plus i don't know i think there are a hundred i work in maternity there are around 120 maternity units and we're all doing the same thing um if we could get code out there to cover the the basic um output that the analysts need to produce around maternity or more broadly you know everything <laughs> how much effort can be saved and how much more time could we spend looking at the really doing the proper work of, of, of analysis rather than the, the the pipelining and the data cleaning and, and all of the rest of that. So um, it's so helpful to have a name for it now. RAP, it's, um, it lines up quite nicely with my mental model of a, a lot of data cleaning, which is I've always thought of as plumbing, you know, um, piping information from one place to another and changing its form slightly. So um, not only does it line up with my mental model it, you know it's such a helpful concept and, and name to be able to call it because now we can we can hang activity off it and we can we can aim for it and funnily enough i mean this is well this is why i started so all those about 10 years ago i was basically we had a 300 page report it took a literal week and i mean someone working continuously for an entire week to make this thing it was a very important report you know everyone i mean it was it was vital really but it took a whole week to make it. And I wrote a, a program in R that did it, I think it took about 50 minutes once I, once I finished. Um, and so the savings of that were, were realized, I think, almost immediately. It probably took me slightly longer than a week to write it, but you only have to run it maybe for a couple of months and, and you know, you, you've got all your money back. And then, and that's the other thing about reproduction pipelines is that having done that, that's the thing is that once you've taken all the manual labor away, you're like, well, what else can we do? And that's, that's immediately what we did. As soon as you've automated a process, you don't just put it down and go, oh, well, I'll just go and have a five minute, five hour lunch break. Then you say, what's the next thing to do? And the next thing to do is something analytical or interesting. Or, and that's obviously where I've, so now I do like text mining. I've added all this machine, you know, we add stuff. Um, and I guess, you know, that's in the same thing in government is that they want to be doing meaningful. They don't want to be just churning numbers around. They want to be doing meaningful, you know, analysis that informs what they're actually doing. So absolutely. So I've been looking at every trust in the country is interested in demand and capacity at the moment, I'm sure. And I've been looking at the NHS England work, which looks, I mean, I, again, I'm a bit naive about demand and capacity, quite honestly. Again, please don't tell anyone at work. But, you know, they've got loads of clearly methodologically sound, you know, there's loads of, you know, an impressive amount of tooling and words and all this kind of stuff. But the thing is, it's in Excel. And I really, the first thing I want is I want to break it apart and see how it works. And... I'm sure that's possible, but I don't know how to do it because I really don't speak Excel. Um, and secondly, it doesn't really go into any of my nice workflows because none of my workflows are based on Excel. So I would really like to have an R implementation of it. And I was just going to build my own yesterday about five o'clock. Well, not do the whole thing yesterday, but I was going to make a start yesterday. And then I thought, well, hang on, maybe someone's already thought of this. So I tweeted about it. And I think there's some stuff going on on Twitter as well. And I mentioned the Slack. And as I say, there's fevered activity going on already. So... I don't know what will happen. Hopefully that will be a, either it's already an existing GitHub repo or I will make a GitHub repo soon and we will start work on it because I think it's definitely worth doing. 
as I say, partly just to make them legible to people who don't speak Excel. I'm sure people who know Excel can read these Excel templates, but I can't. And I'm sure there are lots of people like me who can't. Um, so I think that'd be a worthwhile thing to do. So I don't know what I'm going to put in the show notes exactly because we haven't really started yet. But that's just a flag for anyone who's interested in such things. And I think a lot of people will be if they you know, obviously a lot of people use the Excel templates quite happily, which in case carry on. But for those of you who want something different, then come and have a look at that. The other thing about this is wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to be able to connect with the people who've written that um, Excel template um, who, who are probably well potentially in a position to use a, a tool in R as much as anyone else is in, in the sense that they're probably doing something relatively large scale in, in the center of the NHS um, and also may have an interest in getting more and more people to use a demand and capacity tool so uh, writing something in R might actually help them to encourage more people to use it as well because if you make something easy to use potentially more people are going to use it yes indeed well I, I i've already found someone who used to work on the thing so they popped up on slack and i saw their name yesterday on the excel tool i was like oh it's you i saw your name and i thought i knew his name i think i've seen him on the site before but i just didn't put two and two together so i've already found someone who was in the team i've found several people who know them so and again this is what i said right at the beginning isn't it about nhsr just to make that point again is this is why it's so brilliant is it just brings people together because I don't know all these people. I do not know demanding capacity people say NHS England. I never have. And, I, you know, without NHSR, I never would. But it turns out, actually, it's pretty easy for me to just go somewhere with lots of, you know, like minded people who are all interested in this stuff and just say, hey, I'm interested in this. And they'll all just pop up and say, oh, yes, you know, I either I do that or I know someone who does that. Or apparently I've heard, as I say, I'm just getting fragments of Slack conversations so far. I think they have looked at this, maybe in Python, they have okay. already thought about this, but I don't know whether they've got like a big sort of, whether it's all nicely wrapped up and finished and, you know, or whether they just kind of got some scripts or whatever. Um, so uh, anyway, it sounds like a pretty good, I, in my opinion, I know it's my project, so I would say this, but I think it sounds like something that actually quite a lot of people might get on board with. So I think it could be quite valuable. Yeah. And if there's any lesson from the plot the dots tool, you know, it's that wrapping it up nicely and making it easy to use does make people use it because there's 1,600 of them out there somewhere. I don't know, I have any idea who they are, but but um, yeah, thank you. And uh, let's let's make more of those tools. Yes, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I hope it's half as successful as you said, uh, plot the dots, but it, which it probably won't be. But never mind. it's nice to, again, that's what we were saying earlier as well, isn't it, about having something to aim at. So uh, it's all to the good. Okay, right, we'll leave it there then. So I'll thank you all for listening. Hopefully it's useful. As I say, do let me know. I've never had any feedback or you can send questions. You can send anything you like. Just email the address, uh, which I still don't know, but I'll pop it, pop, pop it in the show notes. It's And it's not me on the end of the email address. So you can email that address and say, I think that Chris Billy's an idiot. I think you should get someone else. That's totally fine. Uh, although they probably will just tell me, I guess, if you do that, but they won't tell me who you are if you do that. I'm going to thank Tom Jemmett for his editing. Again, as always, we've uh, had a tiny sort of handbrake turn halfway through, so I'm sure he will have dealt with that very beautifully and you won't be able to notice the difference. And we'll see you all next time.